Hey out there, all you Sabres fans, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Sabre Talk podcast. Yeah, how's it going, Sabres fans? Uh, interesting week this uh, last uh, five, five games in seven days for the Sabres. Uh, it's been uh, pretty interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely a ton of hockey this week. You could tell the team was, I think, getting a little bit gassed by the end of it. It was getting a little bit tiring watching that, that much hockey, too. I, I can't say I, I'm complaining when I can watch that much of my favorite team but how's everything been the last week for you josh well you know it's been nice like you said it's nice to be able to watch uh our hometown boys play almost every night this week uh minus two days uh been busy been didn't get a lot of snowboarding out in the slopes and uh had a beer league game yesterday at uh buffalo riverworks uh our team was shut down six to one we uh tied the game in the first period and never got back on the Net, uh, in the net, goaltender had my number. <laughs> Who'd you play? Was it a team from up there? Uh, team from uh, Fredonia, actually. Uh, our, our old uh, old friend of ours from um, our Fredonia Midget Mole days was uh, out there against us. Uh, Chad Carlson, good old trip trap. Oh yeah, <laughs> my <laughs> former defensive partner. Yes, the Marquise. biggest defensive pairing in. <laughs> Western New York hockey history. Yeah, how how many inches does he have on you? Like three, three? Probably? Yeah, definitely yeah. two or three. He's got to be yeah. six, seven at least. Yeah, it was. I would not want to be uh coming in across the blue line trying to shoot a puck on that between you two. It'd be a tough task to handle. Yeah, definitely. Uh, two very long sticks we had. But, um. All right, so I guess we can get into it. Um. I'll kind of go through the recap like we've tended to do. Then we'll throw it to Josh, let him start it out. And we've got five games to talk about again, so I want to apologize in advance. I probably will be talking for a few minutes straight here. Uh, but it's kind of the best way we've come across to get all the information out there and then be able to talk about individual topics from there. Yeah, yeah bear with us, fellas and ladies. <laughs> so uh, the Sabres now sit at 23, 23, and 10 with 56 points in 56 games and sports club stats is now showing the Sabres with less than a 5% chance to make the playoffs. So we've been trying to update you on that each week, every time we do this podcast. So that's the lowest it's been uh, really since we started doing the show right now, the Sabres are chasing Boston with 64 points in 58 games, Philly with 61 points in 56 games, and the Red Hot Islanders with 60 points in 54 games. So I'm going to run through the five games from this week. So on Monday, the Sabres lost 2-1 to one at the Prudential Center to the New Jersey Devils, and I'll take credit for saying that that game was going to end in a two to one score <laughs> yes yes uh, yes that you totally called it and the you know as soon as the game started i started thinking like well mark was right as soon as the game started yeah i'm not going too much out on a ledge saying no. that although i did look back and not as many sabers devils games have ended in two to one scores as i thought they had but still quite a few have probably like a third of them ended two to one scores uh so in this one tyler ennis scored the lone goal for the sabers about nine minutes into the third period but Pavel Zaka scored the game-winning goal with about seven and a half minutes left. And the Sabres challenged that goal because Adam Henrique hit Leonard's glove in the air and caused the puck to bounce out before Zaka shot home the rebound. The Sabres, you know, challenged. I thought they had a, you know, I thought they had a pretty good case on that goal. 
um, I've seen much weaker challenges turn out in favor of uh, of the team that's making the challenge. But the refs didn't go didn't go in that direction, and they they let the goal stand. Robin Leonard made 37 saves in a game where the Sabers were outshot 39-23, and getting outshot by large margins is a common theme of this week. And the Sabers just had very few offensive chances overall in this game. Yeah, about the most exciting. Uh... The most excited I got during watching that game was uh, actually watching Taylor Hall make some nifty moves. Uh, pretty fun player to watch. Yeah, he is fun to watch, and I, I I do like that move a lot for the Devils. That seems to be working out well for both teams. If you look at the Oilers' success this year, but mm-hmm. the Devils needed that kind of dynamic offensive talent for sure. So then, this is the first back-to-back that we'll talk about. So on Tuesday, the Sabers came out slowly again, going down four to one in, the, in uh, the early third period. They mounted a furious comeback and ended up winning a minute into overtime on a great finish on a two-on-one by Evander Kane on a great pass from Jack Eichel. Matt Molson yeah. opened the scoring seven minutes into the game before goals by Joel Ward, Logan Couture, Melker, Car- Melker Carlson, and Joe Pavelski. And then the Sabres scored three goals in the last 11 minutes of regulation while outshooting the Sharks 17-9 in the third period. O'Reilly, Kane, and Oposo scored those goals before Kane potted his second of the game to win it. And Eichel and Gianta each had two assists in the victory. Anders Nielsen got the win in net in this one with 36 saves. So then they did an off day on Wednesday, came back out on Thursday, laid another egg at home against the Anaheim Ducks, another tough team. This one was pretty much all ducks from start to finish. Sabres were outshot 44 to 26 in this one. Um, but despite being heavily outshot through the first two periods, the score was still tied one to one headed into the third period. But then three straight Anaheim goals in the first 11 minutes of the third period quickly changed the complexion of that game. Eichel and Ristolainen had the two goals for the Sabres in the loss. And for the Ducks, Corey Perry had two goals and an assist. And Ricard Raquel, Antoine Vermette, and Andrew Cogliano also scored for the Ducks. Robin Leonard took the loss in net, and in this game Cody Franson went down with an injury which in the subsequent games has necessitated both Justin Falk and Taylor Fadoon to be in the lineup. Another lineup change for the Toronto game um, and the Vancouver game was that Evan Rodriguez was brought up from Rochester to replace Nick Delorier in the lineup. I thought he looked pretty well, Mark. Uh he had that smooth pass to the on the Ennis goal last night. That was a, a great play. Maybe we have have some uh, a, gr- a great player in uh, uh, Evan Rodriguez in the future. Uh, I I definitely have been impressed with him. Yeah, I, I I liked him a lot too. I thought he brought some much needed speed to the lineup. That's something that we've talked about a lot. And um, he's got some offensive ability. I I don't expect him to ever be a top six forward or anything. But maybe he could be a contender next year to be the fourth line center or something because it seems like he plays a pretty responsible game too I know that's a lot to throw onto a rookie but uh, it's nice that he's added the versatility of playing center as well because he largely came up as a winger so uh, it's been it's been nice to see him get a shot and and that was a great play on that goal yeah he has some wheels on him too yeah Yeah. so Um, um so next Saturday Sabres Sabres uh, traveled up to Toronto, traveled up to QEW, to the ACC, and this is the big game of the week. Toronto's always the, you know, always the big billing, and they won this game three to one. Sabres scored three goals in the first period, two from Evander Kane and one from Sam Reinhardt. Evander Kane continued to be red hot, and Eichel assisted on all three of those goals. 
Then the Sabres went into shell mode and completely relied on Robin Leonard to carry them to a victory in the second and third periods, and he ended up making 43 saves on 44 shots in this game. Mitch Marner had the lone goal for the Leafs. Yeah, Robin, even Eichel of the three assists in the first period, Robin Leonard is my first star of that game, hands down. Oh, definitely, yeah. Without your goaltender playing that well, with with average goaltending in that game, you would have lost handily, I think, with how they were outplayed in the second and third periods. He was very in control, and uh, that was that was fantastic to see. Um, yeah. So then Sunday, this is another back, uh, back-to-back. The Sabres hosted the Canucks on a pretty rare Sunday evening matchup. And the Canucks ended up winning 4-2, to so another loss to a Western team at home in this slate of games. And they were carried by Michael Chaput's two goals, and Bo Horvat and Alex Burroughs also scored. For the Sabres, Ennis and Oposo scored, uh, and Robin Leonard took the loss in net. So the, the big story in this one was after the game, Robin Leonard made some comments about the team's poor play, and I know that we're going to get into that deeper later. We've got the transcripts we're probably going to read portions of, but um, that was the big story after it. Have you know have the Sabres tuned out Dan Bilesma? What's the future of Dan Bilesma, and what can we expect moving forward? So, Josh, we're going to throw it to you. You can start there if you want. Start really wherever you want if you have another topic in mind. Well, you know, the biggest topic in mind is Robin Leonard's uh, uh, comments last night uh, after the game. Uh, a frustrated Robin Leonard, a guy who has really played well this week, in my opinion. Even though, even though letting um, letting in, you know, four goals in two game in two two games alone, he's still playing well enough to keep his team in it. I mean, even against Vancouver last night. Um, he played well enough to give them a chance, down, you know, if the Sabres could have got another one in net. Not a lot of run support for him last night. Uh, ap- after the first period, they were they couldn't get a puck in the net. But Leonard has been played played excellent. You mentioned it earlier in the recap with um, in the in the New Jersey game. I thought he played exceptional. Uh, Thirty seven saves and with a .949 save percentage. Uh, that Toronto game, he was just a man on fire with 43 saves, one goal let, only let in, and not, uh, .977 uh, save percentage. Uh, he's he's really played well, and you know we talked about a little bit him a lot in the last podcast. But going down the road, I'm thinking this is our guy. Uh, it's starting to come clear to me. I don't know what you think about it, Mark, but I. Uh, I definitely have liked his play as of late, and I I'm starting to get a lot of faith in him. And I like number one. I like his comments last night. I like him uh, stepping up and saying something uh, when no one else is. Uh, Posto said some, uh, brought some things up, but Leonard really hit the hammer with the nail. I mean, nail with the hammer. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, and we we saw very similar attitudes from from your goaltender when Ryan Miller was in town. And oftentimes he was the one that stepped up when no one else was going to talk about something and be the one to be critical of the team. Um, You know, not saying that there's not good leadership in the rest of the room or anything, but it seems like Leonard is is one of the ones that's politically incorrect enough, I guess, to come out and really say what he's thinking and say what's on his mind, even when maybe everybody else is – you know, having more of a filter and and keeping those things in the back of their mind rather than 
bringing them out to the media. But this is something that we've speculated about that really everybody that's following this team closely has been speculating about, you know, what's the relationship between Dan Bilesma and his players, and is he going to be here long term? And I think that's probably the biggest thing that we want to flesh out here on this podcast. Robin Leonard's forced our hand here where we've got to talk about Bilesma and his future. What are your opinions on that? Um, well, I think uh, if I could use one word to describe it, it's unclear. Uh, I think, you know, I like some of the things that Bilesma brings. I are, here, here's here's my question, Mark. Is it, it, are the Sabers in the right system? Leonard said last night. Uh, I know we were talking about getting to the transcript, but he said, you know, it's disres- He kept on saying it's disrespectful not to be playing the coach's system, and he said later on that he said later on that uh, you know, good teams when they fall apart, they fall back on the system. The Sabers aren't doing that. So, what's that say about? What's that say about Coach Bilesma? Does that is that does that say that he doesn't have the respect in the locker room? I mean, is is Brian Giatta a guy that is going to go out and say that? No. It, well, how much respect does he carry in the locker room? I I wonder where this team is at mentally, and that's a big concern to me. Yeah. Well, you have to wonder about their fragility mentally because of how inconsistent they are. And they've not been able to put in. They've not been able to put together one very good stretch of games this entire year. That's what, why they are where they are in the standings. They've not been able to piece together a four or five game win streak at any point. And you have to do that if you want to make the playoffs in this league. I do want to read. I think before probably we get any deeper into this, I'm just going to read the transcripts of of Robin Leonard's comments. We can pick out pieces or a couple specific pieces I want to talk about, but it's better to probably just read it before we start picking out the pieces. So absolutely. Here's what he said, quote, We didn't play good today at all. We made two plays. We scored two goals. That's about it. It's not even disappointing anymore. Starting to get angry. This is all talk. we got to look ourselves in the mirror here. I think it's disrespectful when we have a game plan and we're going through things. The last few days, we've just been going through how to play our second period. Coach is drawing it up there, coming up with a good game plan. We do the exact opposite. We don't do what he said. That gets me angry. I think it gets a lot of guys angry. It's disrespectful, I think is the word. We haven't done anything in this league. Geo's won a cup. With all respect to him, he's done something in this league. The rest of us haven't. End of story. we got to stop thinking after we win a game or Chicago or Boston. Who we think we are, I don't know. It's time. It's time to realize that we're a grinding hockey team. Got to follow the structure and start listening to our coach and start respecting this team and respecting our coach. Uh, so one thing I know we had mentioned it briefly before we – turned on the recorder here and, and, and got this started, but that quote about the Sabres being a grinding hockey team. And I think there probably is a fundamental disconnect there between what Biles was trying to do and what the players think the identity of this team should be. With all the, the elite offensive talent on this team, and that's what we went through the tank years for, was to get a Jack Eichel, to get a Sam Reinhart. And then you, you go out and you, and you pay big money for Kylo Poso and you bring in Ryan O'Reilly. You should not be playing a grinding style, a chip and chase, dump and chase, whatever type of style when you have those kind of players on your team. So I can definitely see there being a fundamental disconnect there between the players and the coach. Yeah, you know, and we, we want to compare systems. What did we play when we played hockey together, Mark? <laughs> dump and chase. We weren't no all-stars, <laughs> you know. We were. We loved the sport, but it's uh, we, we got talent. We This this. This roster is as talented 
as as Ottawa or Boston, in my opinion, on on the offensive end. But we don't we don't produce like those two teams. So th- there there's some answers to be filled. And how much of this is uh, Coach Bilesma's fault? I mean, you asked me the question, and uh, I know your opinion's pretty strong on it. So I'd like to hear your uh, word on it, Mark. Yeah. Well, when it comes to Bilesma. I've been fed up with him since last year, so I've I've really wanted him gone since then. I know it wasn't realistic to expect it in the off season or anything, but I think a lot of this falls on his shoulders. We can try to make some excuses for. I'm not saying 100% of it falls on his shoulders. I think the defense that he was saddled with this year was certainly less than ideal, and I think his system reflects that to an extent. But his inability to switch what he's doing, despite poor results overall is extremely frustrating to me. So they, they've continued to, to use these long stretch passes. I think when they've gotten away from the long stretch passes and focused more on, on short possession-inducing passes, they've done much better. But they always fall back into what Bilesma loves to do. It's been its MO since his Pittsburgh days. You know, These aren't new issues with Bilesma. And they're, they're using the, the combination of long stretch passes and chipping and chasing. And you have at least two lines on this team that I don't think should be playing that style, that I think are really hamstrung by that style. You want you want those lines to have possession, to be carrying the puck through the neutral zone, and to be entering uh, entering the opposing zone with speed and with possession. But that's not what they do. You know, just like Bilesma back when he was with Pittsburgh, you don't want to have Sidney Crosby playing a chip-and-chase type of game. You know, maybe he'll be somewhat effective at it because he's Sidney Crosby. He'll be effective no matter what you ask him to do. But is that are you putting your players in the best position to succeed? And I don't think Bilesman does a good job at that. Yeah. You, you know, and um, I, I'm friends of a, a, boss, a Pittsburgh fan, and that was one of his biggest uh, things about Bilesmo was his unwillingness to uh, change the, his style of coaching. Uh, We've seen it uh, the one year that the the Penguins lost the Cup. They got they got out uh, they got outplayed by a team that was put playing a system that was helping them win and Bilesma refused to change his game plan on uh, on on this style of play. So that has been a a thing brought up about Dan Bilesma before he came to Buffalo when he first came to Buffalo that my friends were war- a friend of mine was warning about being a big Pittsburgh fan. Yep, and I think that. He's been able to to ride the coattails of that initial cup victory, which he took over midseason on that team. And I think that was just as much Terrian's team as it was Bilesma's team. And I think it was really just a kind of a change of personality at coach that led them to win. I don't know how much Bilesma really did in terms of instituting a new system in the middle of the season. You don't really see that happen too often when coaches are changed, you know, is, is Boston playing fundamentally differently now that Claude Julien is gone, or have they largely stuck with the same system and it's just a new personality behind the bench? I think it's the latter, not the former. Uh, so he's ridden the coattails of, of being a cup-winning coach to this point, and I think the Sabres got drawn in once Babcock went to Toronto and they lost out in the bidding war for Babcock. They wanted a name. They wanted to bring in a name. And they thought Bilesma would be somebody that'd be good with young players. He is a likable guy. Like it's not he's not somebody I want to rip and berate, but yeah. I just don't think he's a good hockey coach. And he's, I don't and think you know, he's magically going to become a good hockey coach because we are hoping that he will. 
and he did and he's done well work good work with um uh US juniors and he's he he's is not we're not saying that Bilesma is some uh slouch of a coach it's just his style of hockey does may not match this uh roster I think is our big point here when I think he probably would be best fit as like an AHL coach somebody that you know you're largely instituting the system of what the NHL coach is doing. So he doesn't have to be all about the X's and O's because I think that's his biggest weakness is I, I don't think he's good at making in-game adjustments or anything like that. He's not good at instituting a quality system. But if he can be in a position where he's working under an NHL coach, you know, say he was to be the, the coach of the Rochester Americans, not saying he would stay in the organization or anything. He can work with the young players. He's likable. Uh, and I think that even the players on this team, if you if you really could get these guys that do have a disconnect with Bilesma into a room, I bet they would say, I like the guy personally, but I don't think he's a good coach. I bet that's yeah. what they'd be saying. Like I don't think anybody dislikes him as a person because he doesn't seem like a jerk. And he's been described as a player's coach for much of his career. But I think that they realize we're never going to win a cup with Dan Bilesma as our coach. And that's well, the issue. Yeah. And, uh, well, and – Right after uh, the game and Robin Leonard's comments in the locker room last night, he w- the first question that Bilesmo was asked in the post-game interview was uh, uh, about the que- about Leonard's statement, basically saying, "Do you feel disrespected?" And he he said it's frustrating. He never said he was he felt disrespected. He wants these guys to be on his side. He wants to be there for his players, and I admire that, but. I think this team might need something more cutthroat. Uh, you know, there's only one Babcock out there. There's, you know, there's only one Torrella. But we, uh, Dan Bilesma is slowly, I was not on the fire Bilesma tra- train as quick as you were, and I don't think many people were. Um, but I definitely am working my way to it. Uh, that being said, you know, he had, he has been dealt some, uh, bad back end of, with his defensive roster this year. He did lose Jack Eichel for 27 games or around that, around that many games, which is going to put a debt on this team. It definitely, he's, uh, uh, unhealthy Ryan O'Reilly in the beginning of the season, uh, Evander Kane flying to the boards for the first time this season, not like, and then he redid it again against Anaheim after Eichel fed him that beautiful pass. Um, so it's it's interesting, and you know, but going back to Leonard's comments, uh, how much do you think of that was directed at at, at Jack? Because I know we were I was talking to you earlier, and I thought you know the oh we're gonna try a deke. Well, Jack tried to make a deke. Lost the puck. It landed on one of the Sedin twins' uh, sticks, and they threw it up front where Leonard was sitting there defenseless with his uh, with his uh, head up his you-know-what because he had no help at all, and that was an easy goal for Vancouver last night. Yeah, well, I think that that Eichel play was probably front and center in Leonard's mind. He made another, he made another statement. I didn't have it in this transcript. I didn't want to be talking for two minutes, but um, talking about making the fancy play, trying to make the fancy play coming out of the zone. And I think that that's the play that he had in his mind. But I don't think that mm-hmm. it's 
all directed at Eichel. I think that's the straw that broke the camel's back, and this has been an issue for the team all year. And they, they especially struggled breaking out of the breaking out of their own zone this week. But it's been a consistent issue going back to last year too. Um, they really haven't gotten it down for any any extended period of time, and they do get into that mode where they're where they're trying to make the fancy extra play, and it puts your goaltender in bad positions. And I think this one was just you know it was maybe the the fiftieth one that's happened to Leonard over the last two years, and then this one was just the one that finally is like okay I've got to I've got to reference these types of plays. So, yeah. um, I don't think that Eichel is the only you know the the only person guilty of that by any means he may have been the most egregious offender in that vancouver game but it's yeah. an issue throughout the entire lineup yeah i mean we've seen kane do it we you know we we've, we've seen it happen but yeah I reinhardt's definitely... been guilty of it you know yeah. o'reilly largely stays away from making once in a while yeah um, you know yeah yeah i mean you can really Bogosian. point at every player on this roster yeah. i think um, but I wonder how Eichel took those comments personally, well, you know, when yeah. when listening to him himself. Yeah, I wonder what went through his head. I uh, did see that Paul Hamilton had an article and did a short interview with uh, Eichel today uh, during, uh, I don't know if the Sabres practice or not today, but uh, Eichel did say, uh, did have a comment after, and he said, uh, he said, "For me, I'm more I'm more than past getting worked up about it. I mean, I'm not going to change last night's outcome with my attitude today. So there's there's nothing I can do except come to the rink and try to get better at the things I need to get better at and bring a positive attitude. And at the end, uh, and uh, some other words were ranted and Paul Hamilton quoted, "If you aren't happy with where you are, change it and make a difference." Um." I think, uh, you know, I, I think Eichel did take the take these words personally after reading reading what uh, Hamilton's piece on WGR550.com said. Uh, I I think um, I th- I think he's just as upset as well as Robin. I think a lot of these players are upset, but how do you build around it and make this positive for the future is what they need to figure out. And I think this, I think. I think Robin Leonard speaking out last night could uh, could br- could help us bring us to that change. I like that Leonard made these comments. Yeah, yeah, I think it sparked a lot of conversation amongst fans and the media and everything, and it probably puts a little bit more pressure on on Tim Murray and Terry Pagula and and Dan Bylsma as well to do something about this. And I know we like to think about how young this team is and that you know their cup window is still far in the future, but this league moves so quickly that you can't keep thinking that way. I think that, Oh, you know, these guys are so young that we don't have to, you know, we don't have to make rash decisions. We can be very patient. We don't have to make any changes. I feel like that's doing these players a disservice. And we've talked about earlier this year, kind of before you started to see what this team ultimately was and that this team wasn't going to be a playoff team. But I talked about next year being a potential contender year, you know, being a year where they could contend because they have, they still have Reinhardt and Eichel under their rookie deals, and they're very cheap under those deals before they have to pay them. 
But if you're just sleepwalking through the rest of this year and not addressing these fundamental issues, you're not going to be working toward being a contender next year. Next year's going to be another work in progress year where maybe they make the playoffs, maybe they don't. And so I think they need to have urgency in addressing these issues. And whether that's getting a new coach or figuring it out themselves with the group they've got there, one of those two things has to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, get it, it's fun. It gets us. It gets us all. It gets us thinking. You know, and where this team is going to be headed is, uh, you know, a big deal to uh, steady fans like yourself and my, and me. And it's interesting to actually hear someone speak up. You'd like it to be your captain, but I guess that's just not the kind of guy Gianta is. Yeah, yeah, I think Gianta uh, is definitely guilty of speaking in platitudes. And he's kind of the typical hockey interview. That's nine times out of ten, those are the types of interviews you're going to get. They're talking about, okay, yeah, we got to get pucks to the net and, you know, we've got to play the system better. They're going to say those things every night, every time they lose. But you almost need a hothead like Robin Leonard to be willing to come out and say things that are less politically correct or things that are more on the top of his head rather than thinking about and having political speak every time that every time that he opens his mouth. And I'm not trying to criticize Brian Gianta because that's 90% of hockey players are that way. 90% of NHL players are that way, but you kind of need a, need a Leonard in the room. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know this, a goaltender in the in the locker room, it's not like anybody's going to really think about Leonard differently. They're always the oddballs. They're always the eccentric ones. So you, you know what I'm thinking about right now, right? I know exactly what you're thinking about, but we have multiple. <laughs> yeah, there are multiple examples of, of goaltenders that we've played with that are eccentric. That's the, the best characters in the locker room, hands down. They are. I don't care. They and are. You know what? They're, and that's what makes them great. Well, they have to be. I mean, to be to be willing to go out and and face down, hundred mile per hour slap shots, and you've got to be motion. a little bit of a nut job. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Have, uh, I've enjoyed playing with all those guys. That being said, um, but uh, it it after these five games, we've won two. I I think. I think Robin Leonard's play has been a, a huge positive in my mind. I th- also think that one plus side, uh, too, is uh, Jack Eichel's really been dishing the puck out. Uh, he, I mean, he is still, you know, carrying the puck a lot and shooting, but he is really dishing the puck out as of the last these last five games, and I've been very impressed with him. And I'm not just not just because the three assists in Toronto are the two assists in uh, against. San Jose, it's just he's he's making passes. I I thought he could easily had five assists against Toronto in the first period. Uh, there was uh the one pass to Reinhardt that uh he uh Reinhardt just uh missed and uh, Eichel's been Eichel's been dishing the puck out better than I've seen him at all this year. So I've been pretty excited. The uh, that's one plus for me. Yeah, he was really putting on a clinic this week. Definitely, I think he's found a pretty good balance too of mix between shooting and passing because I feel like a lot of times he goes too far in one direction or the other you can tell like sometimes he just wants to shoot the puck just get the puck on net even when there is a pass there and sometimes he'll go into just trying to set everybody up mode then he's forcing too many passes and turning the puck over but I think this week he had a very good balance between 
shooting and passing. And that's ultimately, I think, what he is. Most people, when they think of him, think of the huge shot and his speed. So they think yeah. he's going to be Alex Ovechkin or something. But his passing is very underrated, and we got yeah. to we got to see it on full display this week. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you bring up that speed, though. I mean, I just can't I can't get that uh, that um, that San Jose game out of my mind. And overtime, Michael takes that puck behind the net and just takes the other stops stops on the dime, takes it the other way. And I was listening to the post game interview of Evander Kane, and he said. Because Kane scored the goal to win the game, and it was assisted by Eichel, um, he said, "I saw Jack at the puck, and I started skating because I knew he was going to be gone." And that was just awesome to hear that from Kane. Was very cool, um, and Eichel just broke out and made that pass right to Kane, where all, where all he had to do was chip it in. Um, great, yeah, great that play was a, right there. That was a fantastic play, and. Those two both got off to the races on that. I don't know who the San Jose player was that was trying to back check and prevent it from becoming a two-on-one, but they both left him completely in the dust. Yeah. And you know, Ike had the puck on his stick too, so to be able to do that to any NHL player, just leave a guy in the dust like that when you have the puck on your stick is incredibly impressive. So yeah, a lot to be, you know, a lot to be intrigued by with with Eichel's play this week. Yeah, definitely. And uh, another tri- uh, intriguing topic, not to. Kind of switch wins here, but um, is the guy we we're just talking about too is uh Vander Kane. Uh, the last five games he's had four goals. He's been playing pretty well. Uh, we talked about him, uh, him last season, and you know, I mean, last week, and he has a uh, one year left in his contract. Uh, a lot of Buffalo media has been hyping up the idea of GMTM, as they call him. Making a move. I'm so against that nickname, by the way. I hate when anybody <laughs> uses it. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna make sure I use it every time. Oh, for the I should have. Oh, that's podcast. how Josh is. So yeah, anything I hate. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but um, a lot of people are calling for Murray to uh, make a move on Kane. While the stock is hot, he's been playing excellent, and uh, I think he's gonna be one of the most covenant. Uh, uh, deadline deals if it's made I think the price needs to be huge too yeah. that being said that's the big impediment too I think to to making a deal here because you've they obviously want a a proven young defenseman coming back in return for Kane uh, mm-hmm. but what contender out there is going to be willing to deal a proven young defenseman you know they'll be looking to deal prospects or picks in all likelihood to try to up upgrade their team not saying that Murray shouldn't be looking at those types of deals either but I find it difficult to find a deal that works I know you and I had talked about the Ducks possibly mm-hmm. being a landing spot with Shea Theodore or um, Brandon Montour coming mm-hmm. back but I feel like it doesn't make sense for Anaheim to trade either of those guys they're both exempt from the expansion draft and Anaheim's going to have an issue of of exposing some pretty decent defensemen to the expansion draft as it is somebody like josh manson they're gonna um they're gonna have to expose so i don't know i i'm having trouble finding a deal that really makes sense for both sides i think yeah it's tough it's definitely tough uh it's uh it's 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 interesting uh i think a lot of this comes into play too and i i know you mentioned it last week but with is is Evander Kane 
part of your five to six guy core? Is he going to be a guy that you're going to be able to re-sign after next season? Uh, I mean, there's so many, so much questions to be asked, and I think it's interesting, very interesting, because just for the sole, the sole fact that Kane has been so good as of late, and uh, you, you're really seeing what you get with this player, true, you know, true grit, uh, top 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 talent speed and uh a pretty decent shot uh so he i mean he's a guy that could fit the mold but are you gonna keep him around and you know pay him six million dollars a year i mean it it's it's tough to say that's why i think it's so it's so fun to talk about and think i think about it quite a bit (laughs) yeah and that's what makes it so hard because i really love what Evander Kane brings to the table and a lot of Sabres fans were souring on him you know for most of last year because he wasn't incredibly productive and even when he first came back this year talking about oh he's always injured he's never gonna you know never gonna be what he was supposed to be but even last year he brought a lot of elite skills to the table I mean that speed you can't find his ability to get in on the forecheck he's one of the one of the better forechecking forwards in the entire NHL. So even when he's not scoring, he brings a lot to the table. And I really just like watching him play. But yeah, y- you made you made the exact point that we need to make. Are they going to be able to pay him and keep him around when they have to pay Eichel and Reinhardt and they're going to get huge raises and you've just given a huge contract to Kyle Oposo. Obviously O'Reilly's locked up long term at seven and a half million a year. Can you commit another six million or more even to a guy like Evander Kane when you're already gonna have that much money tied up in four guys up front? And I can't see any of those other guys going anywhere. So it seems to make sense that if you don't see Kane being part of that long-term uh, core, then deal him. You see what's out there at this deadline. It probably makes more sense to deal him in the off season, but you may be able to get more from him at this deadline. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting to watch, and the expansion draft throws a whole, you know, a whole new wrinkle into what's going to happen in the off season, yeah. and how teams are going to approach this trade deadline too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, some it's definitely something you have to keep in mind. In this trade deadline, it's going to be unlike any trade deadline in, in the, a long time. So it should be it should be interesting. It should be fun. But I, you know. Can we can we pay for him? You know, I I hate to keep on saying it, but I don't see. I love Evander King. He's what I loved him when he was drafted in Atlanta. Uh, been a been a player, and if you would have told me, you know, three or four years before this trade was made to acquire him, that we could get him, I would be salivating. And I was I was when we made the trade because I've been a fan of his for that long, but. I don't know if I don't think the team should commit that that much money because you know he's going to demand a boatload of money. You know it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he'd you'd be looking at probably at least a Kyle Oposo type of contract. I know Oposo's mm-hmm. been a lot more productive, but Kane's younger. You know, by the time he hits the market, he'll be younger than Oposo was when he hit the market. And Kane brings a lot of those skills that these playoff teams covet. And that's one of the reasons why so many people are bringing up his name at, at this trade deadline because teams see 
Kane is a guy that really could help us. But an- another thing I'm seeing, especially from a lot of fans, is they think that he's available for a discount, like that his off the off the ice transgressions are still really impacting his value, which I think one of my least favorite things about sports fans in general, like watching sports analysis, is people are like a year late on everything and like their ideas of how good a player is. There's always a long lag time there of at least six months or a year before they finally adjust to what's actually happening. So I feel like that's what's happening with Evander Kane. And a lot of the people I see bringing up his name, I think are bringing him up just because they think they can get him for, for very little. Well, even two years ago, not to switch sports here, but you know, there was a Bills fan screaming, we got to go out and get Ray Rice. <laughs> you know, he's yeah. cheap. Well, he never even made his way back to the league, really. But uh, you know, I Kane has never has been charged and never been uh, has never been arrested. Or uh, it can't, you know, he's been acquitted of all charges. So he really hasn't got himself in any trouble if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I think we, yeah, you know, we can criticize him for it, but I don't think that it. I don't think it fundamentally affects his value anywhere near as much as some people seem to think. Hey, we and we can we can trade uh, Evander Kane for for uh, Patrick Kane because if Evander Kane didn't have any problems because Patrick Kane got in trouble in Buffalo. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like it's you know it, that that would be a discount like a huge discount and we Evander Kane is a special player and we can't get rid of him for a bag of pucks like some people are claiming the Sabres were trying to do earlier this earlier this season. Yeah, it would have been idiotic to do so. A guy that has proven, at least in stretches, that he can be a productive player in this league. I still do wonder if how well he fits in on either of those top two lines. Yeah. Like, I still think he's at his best when he's carrying a line by himself, uh, but that's kind of secondary to the rest of this discussion. Um, yeah, but I feel like if you look at the the way that the financial position of this team, the cap structure is going, they're going to try to go out and they're going to try to get another defenseman this offseason. Whether it's trying to sign Kevin Shattenkirk, I mean, I wouldn't hold my breath that you sign somebody like that, but they're going to try to spend some money on the back end this offseason. So they're going to have even more money allocated to the defense versus the forwards, and it puts you in that much more of a so. squeeze up front to try to give Evander Kane a raise next year when you also have to give Reinhardt and Eichel huge raises up front. And I don't know how you're going to get rid of the Bogosian contract or the Molson contract or the Ennis contract. You know, all those are all those are dead weights largely right now. So I don't know. There, there, there are a lot of factors, so it's impossible for us to really do much more than speculate. But it's uh, it's a multifaceted discussion. Wow, that's a big word. Oh, um, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, um, any uh, so any, I mean, any? we can talk about. I know we've touched on this a little bit, but about the other players that the Sabers should have available at the trade dead- deadline. I think we can now say with much more certainty that they're going to be sellers. Yeah, and I know you and I both have been saying that they should they should be sellers for a while but every week we came in saying okay well if you know if they win every game this week maybe we could be having a different conversation next week but this team is not going to put together the type of stretch that they need to put together to really be back in this race and the, the distance is getting that that much larger you know now with the islanders
playing as hot as they are, that's another team that's right there that you're, you'd have to pass. And they've been playing yeah. extremely well. Uh, and with, with the Sabres not being able to put together three or four game win streaks this year, I just don't see it happening. So I think we can talk about Dmitry Kulikov, uh, Brian Gianta, Cody Franson. You know, he's hurt now, so he we'll see if he's yeah. healthy by the time the deadline rolls around. Yeah, well, and he, Anders Nielsen, I think, could. Three weeks. Yeah, it'll be right about at the deadline when he's coming back. So, so some good pieces should be able to stockpile some second round picks at least. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, for a team that really is looking to contend a cup, that's looking for that uh, that extra winger, uh, Brian Gianti holds a whole lot of value uh, for a playoff team. I think. Uh, I think he's had a great season. I'm pretty sure he's sitting at 12 or 13 goals right now. Um, and, you know, he whatever line he's been on this year, he has the Brian Gianta effect. This team has good chemistry. Whatever line plays with Gianta generally has good chemistry. Um, yep. So I think I think that uh, I think he, he could be someone that's really seeked out as well as uh, uh, Kulikov, who's a uh, – Play has improved since he's came back from injury. Uh, the, coming from uh, in the beginning of the season, they were saying he was having a hard time walking after the hit in preseason. Um, he's been playing pretty well. Still, still makes a couple foolish plays in his own zone. Still though, <laughs> yeah, he still looks rusty somewhat and not tremendous with the puck. But yeah. we see it every deadline defensemen who can play 20 plus minutes a night and have proven they can play 20 plus minutes a night in the league they're valuable they they have significant value around the league um and even cody franson i think a third pairing defenseman another veteran guy i think he's somebody you could possibly be looking at a late second round pick for i think he's had a pretty solid year as well um so I'd be perfectly fine if that's the if that's the route that they take. You know, don't trade Evander Kane, don't make any sort of rash moves, but trade all the impending unrestricted free agents. Uh, you know, get a second round pick for Gianta and a second round pick for Franson, and maybe you get you know a second round pick and a prospect for Kulikov. Maybe multiple second round picks, possibly depending on what the market looks like. A lot because a lot of it depends on how many teams are selling. And yeah. there aren't a lot of teams that really are that look definitively in sell mode right now. There'll be a handful, but um, if the Sabers do commit to that, I mean, I think they'll be it'll it'll be a seller's market for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, you got you you look at the standings, and you know you could argue that any not one team in the East is out, but <laughs> but uh, we know you know most of us know there's a few teams in the East that are out. And then in the West, you got Arizona and Colorado, and then everyone else is wants to wants to be in it too by the sound of it. But yeah, and we know a lot can change in the course of two weeks, so mm-hmm. the landscape yeah. may look a little different. You know, you may be able to start completely narrowing down the the field in the East, like New Jersey. They're not going to make it. Detroit. They're not going to make it. We can say that a handful of teams in the East really should be sellers but with Detroit I'd be surprised if they really decide to sell I think there's too much pride there to try to keep that playoff streak going that I don't I don't know if they'll be willing to give it up 26 is a big number I don't know you get I I uh I made a bet with a Red Wings fan of mine 
few weeks ago, $100, I said Detroit isn't making the postseason. 26 isn't going to happen, and I'm feeling about $100 richer every day I wake up. When did you make that bet? A couple weeks ago. Wow. Straight yep. up, too? Yep. Wow. Yep. yep. Wow. Too too proud. A Detroit team that fans. has about a 5% chance of making the playoffs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah, some some cojones there to make that bet on well, on your on your buddy's end. Well, yeah, he well he always he's always giving me crap about the Sabres. I said, "Hey, you're not making playoffs." He's like, "Oh, we're making it 26." I'm, All right, we I got it in writing. I mean, hundred. Well, I think it's the best thing way. to happen to their franchise. I think they, that streak needs to be over because they've been making a lot of short term type of moves. Yeah. To try to keep that streak going. But they're never contending, you know. They're <laughs> they get blown out in the first round every year. It seems like okay. I say blown out. They <laughs> lose in the first round every year. I know they've they've taken it seven games a couple times, but Mark has to watch what he's saying on here, uh, just in case his wife gets on and uh, finds out that when she's uh, he's bashing the Red Wings. She's well aware of my positions on Ken <laughs> Holland, and I think he's one of the worst. He may be the worst GM in the NHL, um, and that. They just have been poorly run for years, so <laughs> she knows my position. I'm not. I, uh, I'm not I'm saying sorry. anything that. I'm sorry. I I'm got not saying anything that I she can. would question. <laughs> um, yeah, but she takes it as me just trying to be mean to her by saying bad things about the Red Wings. Saying no, I want the Red Wings to be good. I'm trying to give constructive criticism. This is what you need in order to win a cup again. You're never going to win a cup squeaking in with you know heroic runs at the end of the season every year. You and I know that as well as anyone with the Sabres over the last 10 years. Uh, well, it's been a – I know we brought it up earlier. Um, you got I, – I have been – it, it's been refreshing. Now, you know, not having Gergesons in it was something that worried me. And I'm like, what – you know, what's going to go – what's going to go on here? Don't tell me we're going to – because we just brought Grant back at the time and – I was like, don't tell me Grant's going to come and try to play third-line center. By the way, I was laughing my A-S asterisk off when uh, Grant couldn't uh, finish that uh, empty net goal against Toronto. I felt I feel bad for laughing, but oh my gosh. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> Poor guys, never scored an NHL goal. Is he 28? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, 27 maybe. Yeah, and he uh, he had his chance right there for sure, and he couldn't get it in. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I um, who's going to play third-line center? And I, I didn't see Rodriguez coming in and come play third-line center, and he's been excellent. Um, his speed really surprised me, actually. Uh, I was very surprised to see how quick he's been in the last two games. Yeah, and that's that's been one of the most refreshing parts of having these young guys come up because we talked about it with Carrier when he came up. We talked about it with Justin Bailey. That's somebody we probably should talk about briefly too, him really getting yeah, a shot up, up, up in the top six. Um, but Rodriguez has done the same thing. They've, they've brought an infusion of speed. I think without a doubt all three of them bring more to the lineup than a guy like Nick Delorier does, and that's who Rodriguez was replacing in the lineup was Nick Delorier. Now, yeah. I don't think that Rodriguez is going to be – the third line center of this team anytime soon, but I mean, maybe we could be looking at our fourth line center for next year. Yeah, uh, somebody that's yeah, somebody that's able to you know able to play eight minutes a night, eight nine minutes a night, something like that. Um, 
they, maybe they he'll answer. maybe he'll be getting more seasoning down in the AHL, but he's improved quite yeah. a bit from last year to this year, from what I've seen down there. And uh, it's nice to see. It's nice to see an undrafted free agent start to pay some dividends in the organization. Yeah, definitely. Um, another topic uh, I don't think we covered last week is uh, the contract that the Sabres decided to give Justin Falk. What this does to the team is pretty important, as in terms of of the the expansion draft in my opinion uh it's a uh, you know Falk's been playing some serious minutes not serious minutes but you know he's been in this lineup all year for the most part and uh he's played pretty well I think I think he deserves I think he deserved an NHL contract I think uh kudos uh Murray to give him that contract and uh give us some more wiggle room in the expansion draft as well so I I like the deal what do you think, Mark? Well, I'm not sure how big of an impact it'll have on the expansion draft because they're already it looks like they're going to expose Georges, so he meets those experience requirements, correct? Uh, and I think I'm you only need I think sure. you only I, need I think you only need one defenseman to meet those requirements. I'm not, I'm not saying that like I know it 100, percent but um, as for the contract, I like it. If you think he's going to be your seventh or eighth defenseman, that's a very fair deal. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I like it. I, I, he's played relatively protected minutes, hasn't played a lot of tough minutes, and he's struggled when he's had to play those tougher minutes. So he is who he is. You know, he's a, he's a number seven type of defenseman that should be playing, you know, maybe 30, 35 games for you in a year, hopefully, if, if things go relatively well. He's played a lot more than that this year because they've had an inordinate amount of injuries on the back end. But I like this. Lock him up yep. now for not league minimum, but relatively close to it, and you have a a somewhat competent NHL defenseman. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I could see him be the seventh guy, and I have no problem with that. He's he, he's gotten a lot of experience this year on a week back end of the Sa- the Sabers. So, kudos to him. I'm glad the organization did it too. I think it's uh, a classy move too. So pretty cool now when it goes to the the expansion draft i i think that's another player they can leave exposed uh i was listening to something about the other day but i cannot tell you for 100 percent certainty so just for the sanctity of our saber talk podcast here i don't want to be spitting uh gibberish outlined to out loud to the listeners yeah he definitely would be exposed i'm just wondering and I'll look it up real quick so we don't we don't leave everybody hanging on this point. I'm sure they're all waiting and waiting in suspense here. Um, and if I don't find it in about 15 seconds, we'll just. Oh um, yeah. Um, let's see. Okay, all clubs must meet the following minimum requirements regarding players exposed for selection in the expansion draft. One defenseman who is A, under contract in 2017, 2018, and B, played in 40 or more NHL games the prior season or played in 70 or more NHL games in the prior two seasons. So, Georges would fit that bill. But, I guess if you are able to somehow shed Georges at this deadline or something, which I don't know why any team would do that, (laughs) would take on his contract... But Falk would fit those requirements, assuming he plays in, I think, two more games this year. Yeah, so I guess it does give you more yeah. flexibility. Um, and if 
Georges was to be on his way out, then Falk fits that fits that requirement. And you know, we talked Either about way. it too. I would probably like to leave Bogosian exposed as well and use that third slot to hopefully try to pick up a defenseman out there at a discount. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But um yeah, you know, those are uh Georges and Falk are someone you're not gonna lose sleep over someone picking up. Uh, definitely, I think this team definitely has to go with, uh, you know, using that extra spot on the forward, and like you said, and leaving Bogosian unprotected. Not that anyone's gonna pick up him because of his his uh because of his salary. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm what I'm thinking because I think they're gonna go they're gonna go the seven three one regardless, protecting seven forwards, three defensemen, mm-hmm. and one goaltender, but. The issue is, you know, you know that you're that Ristolainen and McCabe are two of your defensemen that you're going to protect. But mm-hmm. instead of wasting one of those slots, basically by protecting Bogosian, you instead can hopefully trade for somebody to discount, protect that third defenseman, and then leave Bogosian exposed. If Vegas takes him, awesome. I'd be like you said, I'd be shocked if they do. But um, that'd be the route I'd like to see them take. On a, on a related note. We talked about we we had the pretty much same idea as to who they would protect before. Yeah. But it required. Is Justin Bailey eligible for the expansion draft? I is don't believe his, he. I don't believe he's played second, over. I don't is, believe he's played over enough games to be uh, exposed. Well, it depends on his number of professional seasons. Uh, yeah. Okay. So he's. Never mind. I I don't want to bring up that topic because I think our ours will be the same. For some reason, I was I was thinking the whole time that this is Justin Bailey's third professional season. But this is his second professional season, so he will be he will be exempt from it, just like Eichel and Reinhardt are exempt. So, never mind on my point there. We can <laughs> we can go on to another topic. Well, yeah, we, we that's definitely not a player we want to lose. Uh, Bailey, uh, Bailey, we go right to Bailey. He's been playing great and. You know, to see him on the top two lines this week uh, has been great. What a speed demon he is, uh, the William, uh, the Williamsville native there, uh, son son of a former Bills player. Uh, he's been uh, he's been great. Um, he's uh, I've heard a you know, there's a game I was at. It was Saber last year. It was Sabers uh, Islanders and. This guy behind me and I were talking, and he was a little inebriated, and uh, he was had lots of bad things to say about Vander Kane and Justin Bailey, saying, "Oh, we got Justin Bailey in the in the in the Rochester doing nothing." I'm like, so I had a kind of a heated conversation with him last year about this. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, uh, it was his, it was his first professional season, and he really turned it on down the stretch last year. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who could have expected more from Justin Bailey last year than what he produced, and then he's taken it to another level this year. He's just continued to improve year over year, and that's all you can really ask for. He was one of those kind of boomer bust type of picks that had all the tools, but you wondered could he ever put it all together, and yeah. we're seeing more and more indicators that he is putting it all together. He's a he's a big boy, too, and he's fast. Uh, he's a... Um, He's definitely someone that we can be excited about in the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if he really does turn into a legitimate 
top six forward, then he becomes one of those pieces in this lineup that we're that we desperately need, which is cheap young type of players, you know, cheaper young players to fit in around the core. And I think yeah. that's that's what we're hoping Bailey turns into. I think it's too early to say he's definitively going to be on one of those top two lines moving forward. But I think mm-hmm. undoubtedly he's an NHLer. I don't think he should be sent back. Yeah, me me either. Um, it'll be interesting too at you know who they bring up next season and what this team is going to look like. You know, if we're talking about the Sabers being sellers, I think it's fair to say we could talk about them this what their uh, lineup's going to look like next year as well um i mean that being said there's a lot of time between before that happens but uh i'm really ex- i'm really excited for it i'm really uh looking forward to s- see what uh what we can bring in and if uh a guy like Nylander is going to be ready um or a guy like Asplin will be ready uh, i think it's safe to say that we're bring Gooley up for sure next year and i think he's going to make this defensive uh team that our defense that much better next year too yeah th- that'll be an interesting you know interesting thing to watch because he will be eligible to play in the ahl next year so it's not nhl or bust for him uh, and i was definitely intrigued by what he showed but i think it, it completely depends on what they do with the rest of that defensive lineup and you probably could see ghoulies start the year in the ahl next year but still a lot i mean a lot remains to be seen yeah. What do they do in the offseason? How does he look in camp? Does he look ready in preseason? But um, I mean, that's the, that's something last... to be excited about. I'd be surprised if Nylander is with the Sabres to start next year, though. It, from what I've seen and heard, it, it doesn't sound like he's, you know, he he's he's not making the same progression that his brother made when he first came into the AHL. And so you, you have to think he's probably going to require another year down there, or at least part of another year. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's frustrating. I mean, both brothers were picked eighth overall. Um, you know, as a Sabres fan, you want to see, you know, and I understand why people keep on bringing uh, Alexander Nylander up because you want to see um, Nylander in the lineup. You want to you want to have him with Eichel and uh, see see what that's going to look like. But patience is virtue. And uh, if he's not ready, he's not, you know, we don't want to send a kid out there just uh, him to get to get uh, clucked doing a, a toe drag and ruin his uh, confidence level when, he, when he's actually ready to come play. So it would be interesting. Yeah, we don't want to retard uh, any player's development either, you know, yeah. with with what happened with Mikhail Grigorenko and Nikita Zadorov, I think this organization will be extra careful with guys like Nylander. But I think as, as NHL fans, we get a little bit spoiled now with quite a few players being able to come in and step into the league at 18 or 19. And that's not typically the norm. So I think just because yeah. a guy isn't ready at 19 years old next year, say, to come play in the NHL, people were doing the same thing with Sam Reinhart too when he wasn't really ready in his first post-draft season. You know, yeah give these guys some time not everybody's on the same development curve and not everybody's ready to step into the league at 18 or 19 so like yeah. like you said i'll 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 quote the great josh eppinger patience is a virtue <laughs> yeah but you got to think that you know william nylander is having a great season in toronto 
What, 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 what's the difference between uh, William and Alexander? Um, you know, I, I would say they're fairly similar. I think I read a lot of comparisons leading up to and after the draft as to which one was better. And I think generally people thought William was a little bit better, or at least was a little bit further along in his development than Alex was when he was picked. Okay. Uh, but I think they bring a lot of similar things to the table. I think William's all-around game is a little bit more advanced and was a little bit more advanced when he was drafted than Alex's is. But generally very similar skill sets. You know, They both bring speed, tremendous skill to the table, um, and much like their father did. So I wouldn't expect to – I don't know if he'll quite be at that level – of William, but I expect a similar type of player when he does come up to the NHL. You know, a, a, a top six forward that's able to able to create offense, a great playmaker. He's a tremendous shot too. His shot might be better than Williams. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't uh, think he's as good of a passer. Yeah, he uh, he's definitely a fun player to watch, uh, William. So I'm, you know, I think that's also what brings uh, brings us Sabres fans. Being like we want, you know, we want the rivalry uh, between and have the two brothers in it, and we we want to see our Nylander versus their Nylander because we don't like Toronto and their rebuilds better than ours right now, and so it, it, it you know, like you said, like I said, patience is virtue. Yep, and especially for the camp because there there was a pretty decent contingent uh, contingency of Sabres fans that wanted the Sabres to trade that pick last year to try to improve immediately on the back end. And now you're seeing the issues defensively this year. So I feel like it's added some fuel to the fire of the people that were advocating that. Cause they can say, Oh, Nylander isn't ready. And he's not as far along as, as anybody thought. And, you know, draft picks are a crap shoot and we could have traded it and got it gotten some, you know, some legitimate defenseman for it. I wasn't in that camp. I wanted to use the pick. Um, yeah. And I didn't have a problem with the, with the Nylander pick. I was maybe in, in favor of getting Sergachev, but Sergachev was uh, my first option. Realistically, we were sitting at eight. I thought we were going with Sergachev. That's um, what I. Yeah, I was yeah. leaning that way as well. But Nylander was a close second. I kind of when we came up thought, okay, I don't have a problem going either way there as long as they pick one of those guys. I'm not. I'm not going to be disappointed. But yeah, we'll see. And defensemen tend to have longer development curves than forwards so I think it's probably a good bet at some point that Sergachev is better than Nylander but it's a question of when that is because forwards tend to be better quicker they tend to have a quicker adjustment to the NHL all right well um we got four games coming up this week Mark uh well next next week um yeah this week I'm sorry today's Monday um we got tomorrow night. We are in Ottawa, and then we, uh, then we got uh, three home games against uh, three Western Conference teams. Uh, the cold-hearted Avalanches, the St. Louis Blues, and uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. Two, pl- uh, possibly three playoff teams there. One uh, team is in the bottom of the NHL. Um. Should be a pretty interesting week coming up here. Yeah, yeah. The Senators, those are always, you know, always important games. Divisional rival, not a team you're going to catch, so it's not as important in terms of you know, trying to make up points against them. But mm-hmm. 
the Blackhawks. That's obviously always a always a tough matchup. Uh, the Blues too. I mean, having just yeah. fired Hitchcock, they've got a lot to play for, and the Avalanche are a tire fire. But mm-hmm. you never know. The Sabers have been laying down against teams like that this year, so I wouldn't be surprised if they come out on fire and light up the Senators and then lose at home to the Avalanche. But let's hope not. Yeah. Um I'm I'm, I'm hoping not, but Yeah. That's how this the, year has gone. Yeah, definitely. Uh and the you know the you know the even though the Blues got rid of Hitchcock and uh went through some gro- some uh struggles, you know, I think, you know, losing a player like David Backus is going to do that to you. I mean, I, he's a great player. Do I think Boston made a mistake with give uh, locking him into all that money at the age he's in. And yes, but uh, he's a great player. But uh, the Blues have a uh, they're 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 still a playoff team in my book. Uh, I think they're sitting in their that third spot in that division right now as well. I am uh, not entirely sure, but I'm pretty sure. See, so we'll verify that the uh, yeah because there's a lot of. There's there's been a lot of movement in those in those bottom Western Conference spots. A lot of teams still in the mix. Yep, they're at 63 points. So yeah, they are they are in playoff position right now. Yep. In that, like you said, in that third spot. That's it. And you know who know and who knows what what happens in that division. But you know it's hard to count St. Louis out. Uh, talented team. Uh, but that division, wow. You know, the Wild. Blackhawks, Blues, Predators, Stars, Winnipeg, and then you got Avalanche all the way on the bottom. Yeah, that's the <laughs> that's the best division in hockey. Yeah, and I mean you can probably make a you, you can make a pretty good argument for the Metropolitan this year being better than the Central, but because you got Washington, Pittsburgh, <clears throat> Rangers, you know that's a that's a Philly. tough division. Columbus. Yeah. Um, but uh Yeah, it should be a it should be a good uh a good it should be an interesting week uh if you had to predict these uh wh- where are you going to be happy with Mark it, it, after the four games this week. You know, I kind of want to just lose all four and just let this whole thing go off the rails, but take <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll be talking about Biles not being gone next week, but um, if I'm being on, uh, you know, I always, I actually always expect them to beat Ottawa because Leonard plays lights out against them typically, and Eichel is the literal, the literal owner of the Ottawa Senators, as we talked about the last time. It's his, on Wikipedia. His, his it's Wikipedia true. Wikipedia page was edited to make him the owner of the Ottawa Senators, um, <laughs> so I expect a win there. And then a heartbreaking regulation loss to the Avalanche with with Mikhail Grigorenko scoring oh, and Zadorov destroying somebody. Oh, stop it right now! You know Zadorov's <laughs> going to try to too. He's going to try to line up someone. He's the man. <laughs> that 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 trade was well worth it. But I clean, I was a huge Zadorov fan. Clean clean hit. Uh. Did you see the Zadarov hits last week? Yeah, um, I thought they were clean. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Bone crushing hits. I know. 
Oh. That got me up out of my seat when I saw it for the first time. Yeah. So um, you're, so loss of avalanche in overtime. I mean, in, in regulation. <laughs> <laughs> A nice um. two to one. Two to one regulation loss. Um, and then they lose to the Blues and the Blackhawks. Three game losing streak. Okay. Maybe they lose the Blues game in overtime. So we come out of this week one, two, and one. So what are you thinking? Uh, I'm gonna say they win the first two and lose the second two. I'm gonna take the, the easy man out, the easy way out there, and say they win the first two games and lose the second two games. Um, That's so probably a better it. prediction. It's probably a more realistic prediction than. Yeah, well, Mark, someone had to make the bold prediction, and <laughs> I appreciate it. It was you, uh, Marcos. Too, hot takes. I'm too blinded by my. Anti-biosma. <laughs> you guys should see Mark on this uh, Skype right now. Uh, I wish I wish there was a way I could show you guys. He's uh, he's uh, putting eyeliner on right now. Yeah. Uh, he just he he's uh, writing biosma on his on his uh, hand like a middle school girl. <laughs> got my yeah, got my all black clothing on. He is rocking an Allison Chains hoodie. <laughs> We could start doing this on Facebook Live or something. I wonder if there's a way you could do like a split screen with both of us and record it at the same time. That'd be fun. That'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'd have to start dressing a little better, though, I think, than my stereotypical red tank top I feel like I always wear when we do this. <laughs> I, I don't even want to show you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Blink-182. Oh, God. I pulled that out for old time's sakes. Um... Yeah, it should be an interesting week. Uh, I that pretty much wraps up most of my thoughts. Uh, do you got anything else to add, Mark? Um, I don't think so. I think we've we've hit a lot of it. We didn't really talk about the about the issues on the back end in general. I mean, <coughs> we we talked about them in general, but not specifically. But just some of the defensive breakdowns over this week. Um, Justin Falk, I thought had a couple pretty bad breakdowns in the Canucks game where he wasn't wasn't tying up guys and that happened really throughout the entire week but that's been a common theme yeah. so it's not anything new or groundbreaking that we'll be discussing I guess yeah I uh I it's it's same old song and dance my friend uh it this team will approve on the back end this year like we you talked in the off season. I believe that. I think, uh, and I know you. St- I think by by the sounds of you, of uh, what you had to say in the situation about Brendan Gooley, uh, you you rather see him go to Rochester, and I think I'm more in a rush to push him up. Uh, he's been he's had two straight strong camps in a row. Uh, I think I think Gooley's uh. I think Gooley's ready for the big game. Yeah, I mean, I think it completely depends. I, I wouldn't say I'm completely on the on the Rochester train. Like, I'm completely in, in one camp or the other. But uh, I do think we should probably pump the brakes a little bit before expecting him to be able to step in and really be, a, be an above-replacement-level NHL player regularly without any time in the AHL. So, but, I mean, you don't – you don't really know what a guy's progression is going to look like. I know that 
he's he's had a good year this year. Like you say, he's had two strong camps, so he seems to be trending constantly in the right direction. So it's very possible he could take another huge leap between now and the start of next season. So we'll see. You very well could be proven right by this one and, and me proven wrong. But it'll depend even more, I think, on, on what they do in the front office. Yeah, I'm going to take my $100 from the Red Wings bet I made. I'm going to throw it right on Brendan Gooley. <laughs> <laughs> All a joke. Now, but, that would be a pretty good straight-up bet, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That would be a much better straight-up bet than deciding whether or not the Red Wings are going to make the playoffs because you got by far the better end of that deal. It should have been like 10-to-1 odds. Yeah, it was pretty cheap, I know. But <laughs> Yeah, you know, you got you got you got to shut up a you got to shut up a Red Wings fan that's been living the 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 Steve Eiserman, Chris Chelios train for too long. You know, you still bring that up. Come on, we're twenty we're twenty years past that. Yeah, welcome to the basement, boys. <laughs> well, um, I um, I've had fun on this podcast today. Uh, I I felt uh. I felt we did a pretty good job, and I'm happy that we uh, got to cover a lot of stuff today. Yeah, uh, like you had said at the beginning, we definitely had a lot to cover, so I was glad we spent a considerable amount of time on the Bilesma-Leonard situation. I think that was most important for us to cover, but um, always a good time doing this, and hopefully we can do it again next Sunday. I know we we weren't able to do it yesterday, Sunday, but we were able to do it tonight, Monday night. Uh, February 13th so next Sunday will be a go for me uh, for sure so there won't be uh, any issues of that so uh, we'll uh, look forward to uh, talking to you guys uh, Sabres, you Sabres fans next uh, Sunday and enjoy uh, your week of hockey yep have a great one enjoy bye bye